0: Well, I'd like to direct your attention tonight to the book of Ephesians, chapter number one. Man, I'm just, I'm just so glad. I'm just so glad that God knows me. And, um. There's a lot of things that we can say, you know, Pentecostals have a lot of buttons, okay? I'm talking about buttons you can push and, and get a response. And I'm just, I'm not trying to push any button. I'm just really, really, really overwhelmed with gladness that he knows me. And the reality is he knows you too. It's a big deal. That is a big, big deal. All right. Ephesians chapter number one, we're going to read several verses of scripture here. Please stay with me. We're going to start verse number three. I hope you brought your Bible with you. This is a church that still believes in the Bible. And we should bring our Bibles to church. And everybody that believes that, say amen. All right, starting in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Having predestinated us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. These, these verses are as deep as pools, rich and deep. Verse number six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are upon the earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. We'll stop right there for now. And I want to talk to us for a little bit tonight about predestination and election. Predestination and election. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, I pray this little Bible study tonight would bring understanding, revelation, a greater depth of comprehension about who you are and what we have and what we're a part of. Your glory, the incredible privilege and honor to be a part of this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. No, you didn't hear me. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. All right, you can be seated. I don't want to be accused of holding this good congregation hostage. Man, it just feels so good here tonight. Somebody's been praying. Somebody's been fasting. And I can feel it. The doctrine, and make no mistake about it, or teaching of predestination is apostolic. It is genuinely part and parcel of the whole counsel of God. And make no mistake about that, that it is purely and completely and entirely, it is apostolic. Um, It was revealed, most notably to the apostle to the Gentiles by the name of Paul. But through the last 2,000 years, there's been a lot of things that have taken place religiously that have forever impacted the human race. Um the Reformation began is credited to one man, and that was Martin Luther. And Martin Luther deserves a lot of credit. Um, but I think we should be careful in our honoring of Martin Luther, because I think it should be specific to the fact that he was the first to rebel against Catholicism and live. There are some sociological reasons why he was able to live. And that is because he was in Wittenberg, Germany, translating the bible from latin into german and while he was translating the bible it dawned on him anew and afresh how much error was contained in catholicism um our study tonight is not going to be about martin luther I do want to give credit where credit is due. I am not crediting him for his doctrinal position. He was an error. He was an error when he was in the Catholic Church and he was an error when he left the Catholic Church. But Martin Luther is is notable in that he started a revolution. Um, and I want to tell you, to, to leave the Catholic Church uh, was no small thing. Excommunication was a reality. Uh, people were dying that spoke out against the papacy or against uh, Catholic teaching, so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's a historic fact that the Catholic Church is responsible for the death of many, many people. The Inquisition stands as a black stain in history to that fact. But nonetheless, Martin Luther was in Germany, and he was, it just so happened that the king of Germany was King Frederick II. King Frederick II, there was another King Frederick II, but this particular King Frederick II was already at odds against Rome you have to You have to understand that the Vatican um, through a large part of the dark and the Middle Ages, was more than just a religious mechanism. They were incredibly politically political, and they were they were military. They had an army. This is all verifiable. Uh, verifiable according to history. It is widely recognized and known that the Vatican had one of the most powerful armies in Europe. But King Frederick II would not pay tithes to the Pope and would not pay tithes to Rome and he dared them to do something about it. If there was another nation, that was not Um, being financially faithful to the Vatican, to Rome and the Holy Roman Catholic Church, then they would call the armies out, they would send the armies out, and they'd straighten them out. It's a known fact. Martin Luther came to his conclusion without any fear of their military. He was just, he was trying to be true to himself. And that is why I honor Martin Luther because he would not continue in a religious um, mechanism that was that was patently, biblically false. Even if he had to die, I'm, I'm sure that Martin Luther would have been willing to do so, except he was allowed to gain asylum because of King Frederick II. Now, this is more than just a brief history lesson. This has got incredible importance. Because Martin Luther was allowed to live and continued to influence Catholicism in some of these other nations, such as Switzerland and France, And even as far as England, the Reformation was far and wide and cut a very wide swath. But when Martin Luther gained asylum, he started, he continued to write. And his writings went out far and wide. And because Martin Luther left, there were other people that were students of the Bible that loved God as much as they could. One of those men was a man by the last name of Swedenborg. I believe he was Swiss. There was another man by the name of Zwingli, Z-W-I-N-G-L-I, very important Reformation figure. John Knox was another one. Every one of these individuals that left the Catholic Church and had a passion for the Word of God that was available to them, they all had their own unique individual groups that became followers. People wanted to get away from the Catholic Church, it was oppressive. It became a man made institution in the name of Christ. It was oppressive, it was controlling, um, it was not of God. But the most notable figure of this Reformation, and really it was a religious, the Reformation could be described or defined as a religious revolution. Was a man by the name of john calvin he was french so they were coming out of all over europe the wesley brothers were in england Um, of course lutheran his followers were the lutherans and john knox became the leader of the presbyterians and the wesley brothers became the the leaders of the methodists and and so on and so forth And the Reformation impacted American history because of the turn of the previous century from 1899 to 1900, there was only nine denominations in America and they were all part of the tributary that began in the Reformation. But the most impacting and the most notable in my opinion, was a man by the name of John Calvin. John Calvin ran with this. Martin Luther ran with it as far as he could. John Calvin began to insert his own theological misinterpretations. And because people were leaving the Catholic Church in mass, no pun intended, Because there were millions that were leaving, these fledgling, fledgling denominations had incredible power. And their leaders were shaping doctrine for centuries to come. John Calvin got some things right, like Martin Luther got some things right, but they got more wrong than they got things right. John Calvin believed in the, in the inerrancy and the supremacy of the word of God. That's a good thing. He also believed in the, in the depraved condition of the human race. That's biblically accurate. But John Calvin did an incredible disservice, unbeknownst to himself, to the denominational world. And he brought forth a human interpretation, much like the Trinity. Make no mistake about it, the doctrine of the Trinity is a human interpretation of the Godhead. We'll save that for another Bible study because it's certainly worthy of it, but the doctrine of the Trinity even predates by hundreds and hundreds of years the Reformation. John Calvin came up with the doctrine a predestination, and it was not just confined to Calvinism, or or what later really infected the Presbyterians. There are even Baptist groups that hold the predestination there, and today um, it's just it's just a mishmash. Genuine denominational theology is very difficult to nail down. Because it's, it's a hybrid, it's a potpourri, it is, it is a mishmash, it is, it is, they have bled into one another to where they adopt each other's ideas and there's just no definition. But the doctrine of predestination that was brought in and propagated and swept through Europe And even as in our world today, it's in the United States of America, it's everywhere. The doctrine of predestination is essentially a doctrine that believes that God has already predetermined who is going to be saved and who is going to be lost. This was... I'm sure that this was a relief against the doctrine of works because people have been asking for the last 600, five, 600 years, almost 600 years, if I'm already saved, then why should I have to pray? I mean, if, if God... If, if I'm going to be saved, why should we evangelize the world? And so because predestination was propagated as a teaching of the Bible, and it was so widely accepted, you have to understand that when people were leaving Catholicism, there was nobody, or if they were, it was, it was so minute that it was historically incalculable. There was nobody that was talking about apostolic doctrine. Now I have books in my library that said that there's always been a thread of of groups that were teaching apostles doctrine. I'm, I'm not I'm not contesting that, but they did they were they were not in control. They were not writing the books. They did not hold the pen that was going in in. Uh, and placing it to parchment. The people that were writing history were people that were buying into these doctrines because they were ripe for anything but Catholicism. It was a very, very... um, I'm looking for the right word. It was a fertile... The fertility, the religious fertility of the world was wide open to another doctrine other than Catholicism and predestination fit the mold perfectly. Um, Several years ago, um, I had a friend of mine that was a falconer. I had a few birds and he had, I think he was in love with his birds, he had birds everywhere. And we would talk every once in a while. And I realized very quickly where this, where this, I mean, I liked him. He was my friend, but he was way, way, way off. And he would talk to me about, and I just thought to myself, man, that is way off about that. You know, I really don't have to do anything. I'm already going to be saved and, and, you know, I mean, I go to, he said, "I go to church when I can, and da 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 ba 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 ba." But it wasn't, it wasn't what we would consider to be consecration and dedication and really living for God. It was all under this knowledge, this hope that I am one of the, I'm one of those that was chosen to be saved. It was very scary because this doctrine was questioned and rejected by some people because it was so absolutely against this is actually one of these cases where it's you can see it in black and white that it's contradictory to other scriptures They had a way of explaining it all away. But because Calvinism was so strong on the other side, you had people that believed in what they call free will. There's still some churches around that on the sign, on the the marquee of their church, if I could use the word marquee, that's probably not real good. But on the sign of their church, it would say free will Baptist free will presbyterian that was their way of saying that we are not predestinationists it is a false doctrine it is absolutely one thousand percent a false doctrine Let's take a closer look at Ephesians chapter number one, because this is one of the only places in the entirety of Scripture that talks about being predestinated. Let's, let's look at verse number four. Now, let's start where we started in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, the only way that you can escape the clutches of predestination is that you have to already understand who that's talking about. Because the way that that is written to somebody that does not really understand the church. I can see how people would easily be swept away with predestination. But you have to understand that the thing that God was after with the logos, in the mind of God. And the word logos means thought, word, or idea. Rhema is also the word of God, but that's talking about the immediate word of God. The logos is first a thought before God ever created anything, before God ever spoke anything to existence, before God ever, before there were, it was ever actuated, there was no movement. It was just a thought. It was an idea. It was in God's imagination that he wanted a bride. And so... In one place it says that Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world. Here it's saying before the foundation of the world. Before, when it's talking about foundation, it's talking about the basic elements of structure of the universe. Different stratas of existence and planes of existence. Before anything happened, God had a thought. And that thought was, I want somebody that wants me. that loves me the angels won't do they've always seen my glory they've always seen me in eternity they're uh, they won't do I got to have some I want somebody that will choose me because they want me now to many of us here in this room tonight that might sound a little too primitive but ladies and gentlemen, the church is the entire goal of that book right there. You say, No, it was the Jews. No. God used the Jews to get the church. He had to use somebody. You 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 can't you can't be stuck in Acts two thirty eight. I'm way out here. This is where this is where I like Living is out here. Because this is how big our God is. Our God is this big. So before the foundations of the world, God already had a plan. Now here's the kicker and if you miss this God said I'm going to have a church I'm not sure just yet who's going to be in it Now see if you're if if you want to just take that and say pastor I'm not sure I believe that then you're ripe for predestination, because it's right there. It says it right there. He chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world. But that can't mean that God said this one's going to be saved, and that one's going to be lost, and this one's going to be saved, and that one's going to be... Because that would make That would disqualify the whole process. Why why even go through the effort of making man in your image? You want to know the single factor of your nature? that qualifies you as being made in the image of God, it's not your eyes, it's not your ears, it's not even the heart, it's not the soul. It's the fact that you have a will. You have the ability to choose. You can choose to live for God or you can choose to be law. God's not going to twist your arm. God's not going to do any of that. But to those of you that choose, that's what God was looking for in the beginning. I want somebody that chooses me. I don't want to do all the work. All right, we still have some that theologically are immobilized right now. When you were looking for a wife, did you get her in the back of a magazine as a mail-order bride? Hmm? Help this young woman, and there's a face there. Help her escape the clutches of communists. No. You were looking for somebody that wanted you for who you were they loved you they wanted you to the exclusion of everybody else are you all with me tonight maybe we ought to just dismiss and go get some coffee man i need some coffee i don't want starbucks i want cornerstone i want the trailblazer where there's smoke coming out of my nostrils how about Isle runner or even a 69-year-old man's just got to move. You're a part of a God that's big. There, there, there are some Pentecostals, not by virtue of anything you've done wrong, but we have never moved out of, out of topical theology. Topical theology is the very first way that Pentecostal people learn the Bible. We learn all the one God scriptures. We learn all the baptism in Jesus name scriptures. We learn all um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And some people never move beyond that. That's just the launching pad. There's things in that book that are from another world that apply to you and I that is so far beyond just the threshold of Jesus' name, baptism, and the infant. I thank God for it. It's truth. It's reality. It's art. But there is stuff from another world that you and I are a part of. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And it be, if, if you live in this type of a dynamic, it will impact how you live. You just can't live fighting the world all the time if you really realize that they've got this new telescope out there that's far beyond Hubble because this one's operating on infrared and it's taking pictures they they actually found a picture it's just it's just a little teeny tiny it looks like the head of a pin of a light and it says the most distant universe That's observable to our scientific world. It just keeps going and 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 going. going. But there's a God that spoke that into existence. And there's a God that loves you. And there's a you just can't live your life any old way once you start embracing that. You you can throw away some basic. it's no big deal. That was never intended to titillate your senses for the rest of your life. That's just the threshold that we step into. And then God becomes the height and the depth and the width and the length of his glory that is never ending. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. That's kind of God. You have entered into that kind of a kingdom. You've entered into that kind of a spirit. You've entered into that kind of a church that believes that God has no end. God is not so small. Can you imagine how cruel? This might explain why there's so many people turning against Christianity. It's because the only witness they're seeing is giving them a bunch of half-baked nonsense. Well, where did you go to church? Well, I went to a church that this one go... To heaven, this one go to a hot place. This one go to heaven, this one go to a hot place. No wonder there's so many people that are just turning to violence and I'm not I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying they don't see any hope in the church. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our day. You've heard from the non-denominational group. You've heard from everybody else. It's time for God to reveal his church with glory and power and reality. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. You're you're a part of something that big. His kingdom, there is no end. So the unique, and I say unique because really it's just one revelation that has to be in place, that this is not talking about The individual, when it says us, he is talking about the redeemed. He's talking about the church. Look at verse number five. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood. How do you get the blood applied? This is where it starts getting really interesting. Don't turn off on me. You might learn something tonight. Presbyterians believe in partial atonement. Partial atonement. What does that mean? My understanding of partial atonement is is the only people that Jesus really died for are the ones that accept the blood. That's not what the Bible says. Go to 1 Timothy 2 and 2. Look at this. For kings for all that are in authority. Oh, is that my scripture? I'm sorry, 1 John 2 and 2. I exhort therefore. No, 1 John 2 and 2. Thank you. Brother Andy just got back from vacation. He's still getting with me up there. Look at this. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only. But what? But who? It means that Jesus died for people that will never be saved. And if so, if people people are going to be lost, why even evangelize? Why would he say preach? Go to Mark chapter 16. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. Next verse. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Does that sound like predestination? The church was predestined. The bride is predestined. You just got to make sure I'm going be in that bride. You just got to make sure that when God sends the pastor or some guest preacher in here, that it's not to offend you, but it's to make sure that you stay. Your garment is without wrinkle and without spot. Preacher, you can say whatever you want. I'm not getting out of this ride. This is the greatest thing in the history of the universe. Why would I leave this for some ding dong deal in a lost world? Because. Because, 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 because. The devil wants us to think. That this is just about the stuff that we're so tired of hearing over and over again. And, and that, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's so far beyond that. You cannot allow yourself to park on the same replay. And, and things have to be said once in a while over and over and over again. Repetition is the essence of learning. But if if that's if that's where you get weary, you you've you parked your car in the wrong stall. My car is floating around in the universe somewhere. I want to explore the depths of his glory. I want to to know him. I want to to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm not looking forward to it. But like Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong. If that's what it takes to take me to another level, then God, you have my permission. I don't want to get bored. I don't want to get a bad spirit. I don't want to get caught up with the pablum of Pentecostalism. I want to soar in the spirit. I want to be out there where God is it's a danger to not have that kind of a prayer life because you're going to get tired parked where you're at and God knows that and so we've always got to personally be pushing the boundaries I want to go deeper I want to go further that's where personal consecration comes from that's where personal dedication comes from you can't you can't you can't go to a plateau and say, well, that's good. I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. No, 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 no. God says, no, come up a little higher. God says, I got something else for you. God says, I got more. I got more. I got more. I'm more. There's always more. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number one. Let's look at verse number 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him with worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That is very heavy language that describes that God made a determination that I am going to have a bride. I have purposed it i have willed it now get out there and preach so that people can be a part of this look at verse number 13 now if we were talking about predestination verse number 13 would not say what it says in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is talking about process. And die hard predestinationists do not believe in process. They believe it's automatic. And so the devil can use this false doctrine to manipulate millions and millions and millions of people to think that they don't need to obey the gospel. I can't think of anything more haunting as a human being than having my soul leave this body only to finally recognize that I was wrong. And I may be wrong about some things. I'm sure that there's some corrections that God is gonna help me to see, but I got the main thing right. And the main thing right is is I I have to use my will, my choice to live for him. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. Thank God for that choice. Thank God for the opportunity to see this, to understand this. It's amazing. I will never ever ever be the same. I'll never I will never be the same. I feel like God has revealed too much to me, but to whom much is given. Let's look at some possible anomalies to this. Let's look at, um, no, they're not on your list. Brother Andrew, they're on my list. Listen to this scripture. You've all heard this before. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. We've all heard that scripture. See? It's predestination. Yeah. It was because he was a prophet and his people needed to repent. So God said, I've got to raise up somebody that's not going to be like everybody else. And Jeremiah was the weeping prophet that never had one convert and a whole life of tears. Yeah. Galatians 1.15, Paul, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. Great. Why did he let, why did he let you torture, kill, and persecute Christians? So you were 30 years old. It's so he could say, if God saved me, God can save anybody. And he became a pattern of mercy to them to believe. Pastor, what's your point in all this? We are a part of something so glorious and so amazing it is so far beyond the religious boredom of just trying to get away from from being bored and our flesh is wanting us to go if you ever get the revelation of really who you are in God you'll never be bored again with God and boredom is a common human experience I'm not putting anybody down for being bored I get bored But it might just mean I just need to have a good good old fashioned pr- it's amazing how a good old fashioned prayer meeting get you right back on track We are a part of something that is from another world And religious people for the last 2000 years have been trying to figure this out with their brains because they did not have the baptism of reality. Paul was the only apostle that talked about this mystery. He was the only one that seen it. He was never the same. This is one of the reasons I think that Peter made the statement that people wrestle with some of Paul's writings because they hard to be understood not if you got the Holy Ghost Man, when I was a new convert, I used to, and I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that I'd already made up my mind, dude. I ain't going back to drugs. Devil, you go ahead and hit me with your best shot. I've already done every drug that's out there, I've done everything you can do. I'm not going back out there. And I would read Ephesians chapter 1 in a prayer meeting, and my tears would fall on the pages of that because it was so rich. It was so mind expanding. It was so glorious. Hallelujah. John 15:16 Jesus said, "You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you." That was to his disciples. He said in another place, "Many are called, but few choose." The doctrine of predestination is so prevalent that I really felt in the Holy Ghost that I needed to just talk about this. It it upsets me. It upsets me that... I want to say good people, but Jesus said there's none good. People that I love, people that I I like, people that I, I have just that buy into this nonsensical doctrines that makes them resilient and resistant against the simplicity of Christ found in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, and a host of other scriptures that put us in that position of that predestinated elect group called the church. Church. When you're part of the elect, the word elect literally means to choose. Well, it means that I chose. I'm, there's not a human being alive that's gonna escape the responsibility for the choices they've made in their life. But oh, thank God for the blood. Well, pastor, every time I see you, I see a halo please flip the light on for that person and get delivered from your psychotropic drugs. There ain't no halo there. But a long time ago, God helped me to understand the importance of repentance. And I've been doing it ever since. The elect or the election are specifically those that believe and obey. Again, there's a special process for the elect. Please go to Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's talking about process, conforming to the image of his son. In the very beginning, in the eons, times past, God said there's going to be somebody that's going to believe this. And they will love me and I will love them and they will be conformed into the image of my dear son through process. Why? Because he that has begun a good work in you will complete it. When you spoke in tongues, God immediately went into operation. To be conformed to the image of his dear son. Let's go to the next verse, please. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's talking about process. And if you were predestinated without any type of process, you wouldn't need all that. But he calls people out of the pit of sin, washes them out, fills them up, and then leads them and guides them to be processed. See, I believe believe God had his eye on me for a long time. I believe God has had his eye on you for a long time. with calvinism there was a way that they had they had to theologically deal with man's choice and will so they came up with sovereignty uh, they turned the sovereignty and god sovereignty of god into a doctrine and basically sovereignty basically means That God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. We already believe that. Creation testifies that. But it was all according to the good pleasure of his will. He created everything in such a way that he could fulfill his plan exactly like he's fulfilling it. You know, the, the, the United States Air Force is starting to release more UFO information. Am I the only one that's picking up on that? There's some of you out there that are ex-Star Trek buffs. I know who you are. Don't try to hide from me. I was, this is so off topic. It might bring a little bit of cheer into the environment. I was somewhere and were, there, was, there was an old Three Stooges. Those dudes were radical. I had two brothers and after we watched one of those things, we were all poking each other in the eye and banging on the head. And, There's a lot of screaming and yelling around our house. Our neighbors thought we were all opera singers. But man, when they came out with that Star Trek stuff, I couldn't get enough of that stuff. You know, beam me up, Scotty. I can't, Captain. I'm giving it all we've got. But all of that pales to the glory that shall be revealed on in us. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God great praise. Come on, somebody, give him praise. God's had his eye on you for a long time, and here you are. You're in the beloved. You're in the election. You're in, you're in the body of Christ. You're in the church of the living God. Designed before the foundation of the world. Designed before the foundation of the world, before there was any people God designed the church. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I just wanted to talk about this. We'll probably talk about some other amazing doctrines that are floating around out there that have no biblical truth and reality. to them. come on, let's pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we're in the midst of a world that's desperate for supernatural answers. God. God, open up a door of utterance. Open up supernatural influence for this church. On the job, in their neighborhoods, in the coffee shop, wherever. Yalamo kotia Why don't you shake somebody's hand and say, I'm glad you're in the church. Love you. And then you be dismissed in the name of the Lord.